I am pleased to be joined this morning by the head of the Creative Writing Program at the University of Connecticut, Dr. Sean Frederick Forbes, who is Assistant Professor in Residence, to talk about poetry and his works as well. And full disclosure here, there was a really good show on Connecticut Public Television about arts in Willimantic that ran a couple of times a few weeks ago. Sean was on that show. That's how I learned about him. He read his poetry. I said, let's do it on the radio. Sean, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. And just say a couple of words about that Connecticut Public Television show. That was a pretty impressive showing for Romantic Willimantic and the Arts. Good morning, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, it was it was a wonderful experience um, to be on that show. I had never been on television in that sense before, and it was wonderful that the, they had this team of um, seven people who came out and interviewed me. It took about two and a half hours, and um, it was an experience that I really cherish. It's, it's one of the best experiences of my career, so thank you. Sean, what was it about poetry that floated your boat? When did that first show up on your radar of something you really wanted to pursue and perfect? That's a great question. I, I would say it, it began when I was about six years old. My parents divorced, um, and I started to live with my maternal grandparents. And they were not poets themselves, per se, but they had wonderful narratives that they would um, regale me with on a daily basis. And um, these narratives were about the island of Providencia, Colombia, which is uh, situated in the Caribbean. It's um, off the eastern coast of Nicaragua, and it has an entire landmass of about five miles, and it's the birthplace of my maternal and paternal grandparents, as well as my mother. And so when I was a, a child, I couldn't find this tiny island on the big world map at school, but I knew it existed because the narratives my grandparents told made it so vivid and visionary. Um, and so I would just listen to these narratives. And, and, and my, my grandparents were really um, practitioners in oral history, and they were, had wonderful narratives that um, I still remember to this day. Um, and so I think that planted the seeds for poetry for me and, and wanting to be um, someone who, who writes uh, narrative poetry in particular. And Providencia became the title of your first book of poems. Can you give me an example of one of the poems from that book? Sure, definitely. Um, I will read a poem titled Gnosis, which is the Greek word for knowledge. After burning my right arm from a skillet with scalding canola oil, I fainted. I was four. Perhaps the pain was extreme or the stench of my delicate flesh quickly cooking did it. I was losing my sense of touch. My arm is a geography of scars. I can point out South and Central America from my index finger to the base of my thumb. The skin becomes darker on my forearm, like an ocean or the spotted river sticks, where my hairs are the rooted dead. My elbow is a rust color, cracked dry like the Sahara. I cut it once. The blood poured out like sweet water. My fingers went numb as my grandmother patched me up. I was 10, and for therapy, she advised writing to renew my skin. For years, I wrote without pen or paper, remembering stories, reciting phrases until I was 18. 
then I began to tear away all I knew, ideas, images, facts as delicate as corn silk. My arm warmed, my fingers swollen and red, but the pen now steady in my hold. Wow, there are so many visual images in that poem, Sean. Like, my arm is a geography of scars. Do you make a conscious attempt to try to create visual images when you write poetry? Um, yes, I do, because I think what's, what's important for narrative poetry is um, like sort of synthesizing um, a story that could be told in, I don't know, 5,000 words, and then breaking it down to, let's say, 150 words, right? So that's, that's a very difficult feat to do. And I think it's the visuals, and it's, it's capturing particular moments that will stick in the reader's mind um, that, that I go for. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's something that has to do with the fact that my grandparents, um, you know, couldn't pinpoint um, visually where Providencia was placed on the map. So they had to use the terrain of Providencia. They had to use the landscape. They had to use um, the climate and the atmosphere and all that it brings with it um, to provide this, this flourishing picture of, of what the island was like for them. And so that's what I, I try to capture in my own poetry as well. Sean, what are the courses that you teach at UConn? Sure. I teach um, Introduction to Poetry, which is a literature survey class. So it's everything from, I would say, about the 1600s um, until the modern time, so our contemporary time. Um, and then I also teach Introduction to Creative Writing um, for students who are um, interested in doing something that goes outside um, composition and rhetoric. Um, so we'll focus on poetry and all also on fiction. Um, I also have my students write 10 lines of iambic pentameter for the first five weeks of class. It's, it's um, one of these exercises that um, so some students um, detest, but other students find rhythmically um, challenging and um, provides them with a stronger sense of how to understand um, line um, and, and line breaks and stanza breaks and, and things of that nature. Um, I also um, teach um, advanced creative writing courses in poetry um, as well as fiction. And you're also the director of the creative writing program at the University of Connecticut. In fact, in the last 10 years or so, I've had several students who have been a member of that creative writing program. What exactly is that program? Is it a course credit or is it extra credit? Is it uh, just something that uh, like a club that the people that want to be creative writers get involved in? Uh, that's a great question. So, um it, our creative writing program. What we what we've done is we have um, rethought our curriculum, and so English majors can actually choose a creative writing track um, for their major. So they would take a set of courses geared toward um, creative writing specifically, where they could specialize in poetry, fiction, nonfiction. Um, they could uh, specialize in the graphic novel or even hybrid forms um, of writing. And so this, it's a particular undergraduate um, 
course. We don't have an MFA in creative writing at the University of Connecticut. So it's really geared for undergraduates. And, and one of the things that um, the creative writing program does, um, my um, associate director, Ellen Littman, who is a fabulous fiction writer um, in her own right, um, she and I come up with um, about eight to ten um, different writers who would come onto campus um, either virtually or in person and give a reading of their work and answer questions um, with the audience and talk about their process. And so we like to feature um, um, renowned and internationally um, renowned and nationally renowned um, writers as well as emerging writers. We also have an alumni um, writing um, series in which we bring back some of our alumni um, to read from their recently published books of poetry, fiction, or nonfiction. Um, so, so that's essentially the, the full breadth of what the creative writing program does. That segment with Sean that was on the CPTV show about arts in Willimantic was shot at Julia de Burgos Park right off Jackson Street in Willimantic, which is across the street from Curbstone Press. And I'd like you to get you to talk about Sandy Taylor and Curbstone Press and the great work they did. And one story about Sandy that I've got that I think you'll enjoy is he started a program called the Wyndham Poetry Project. He tried to get out into local schools, especially the high school, but other schools as well, and inspire kids to want to do poetry. And what he found was that the kids didn't feel comfortable in their ability to do it. But once he inspired them to do it and they unleashed their poetic talents, it, they couldn't be stopped. They loved it. And they actually produced books. They gave me a copy of the book. And just the role that Sandy Taylor played in enhancing the role of poetry in this Wyndham area. Right. Well, I wasn't I, I didn't meet Sandy Taylor. I think I think sort of um, we, we met via email years ago. Um, but I'm very um, familiar and great friends with um, John Anderson and his wife, Denise Amber Crombie, who teaches at E.O. Smith High School, and, of course, Susie Staubach. They are now um, the board of directors for, for um, the Curbstone Poets um, Corner. And so um, January, I'm sorry, July 28th, I was invited to actually read at the Julia de Burgos Park um, for part of their reading series. And it's it, it's interesting that you bring up high school students because often I'll, I'll go into Connecticut um, high schools and um, give a brief presentation on what the creative writing program at UConn does and what um, I do as, as a practicing narrative poet. And a lot of students, like you said, they're very apprehensive or pensive. Um, most of the time, um, they're not even asked to do anything creative in, in some of their um, classes. And so when they do get the chance, it's, it's this amazing experience where they're able to express themselves in a completely different way. And I think listening to poets um, talk about their craft and to read their work is very important for high school students. Um, even when I was a high school student in New York City, um, I was able to go to poetry readings, and I think if I didn't have those experiences to sort of um, aid me in the progression of my work, I don't, I don't think I would be where I am today. So the arts are very important just for the public and private sectors as well. And John and Denise also involved in the Poetry in the Park series at Julia de Burgos Park, which I know Sean has read at, as he just said. Tell me about your current writing project, Archaeological Revival. 
Yes. So I have been working on this um, collection of poetry for about 10 years now. I I, I seem to think I'm about 75% done with the collection. Um, the, The title actually comes from... Um, a style of uh, jewelry from the 1870s that the the, the Tiffany Company um, started to create. So Lewis Comfort Tiffany um, was um, em- emboldened to create this line of jewelry after all of the archaeological digs that were happening in the 1870s. And so he created this this wonderful line of poetry. Uh, um, sorry, this wonderful line of jewelry. And I, I thought, what an interesting title, Archaeological Revival, this idea of what does it mean to to bury things, and then eventually, years or centuries later, it gets revived to be studied again, but only to be buried again and then revived over and over. So there's this interesting pattern that that goes on. Um, And so many of the poems um, talk about reviving of memories, talking about the, the revival of traumas and trying to understand them from a, a different lens and also um, historical revivals um, and, 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 and personal um, family histories that, that get lost and then get revived over time. Can you read a poem from that collection? Sure. This uh, poem is titled uh, Memorial Site, um, and so I'll read it for you. Memorial Site, Bavaria, Germany, December 2015. Sunny and chilly, visitors saunter through the gatehouse, infants swaddled in pinks and blues, their parents wearing lime green parkas. The crunch and skid of loose gravel underfoot echoes as teenagers on class trips run and giggle. Some wander off with a boy or girl, hide behind a watchtower as they grope each other, make out. Elderly women adjust patterned silk scarves over chic cashmere coats, smoky eau de parfum waists. Elderly men take off their woolen page boy caps when indoors, twist gold signet rings, stale cigar musk lingers. We follow Carl, our tour guide, walking past the stone foundations of what's left of the camp barracks, built in 1937 with a life expectancy of 10 to 15 years. We enter the crematorium, our final stop, some with somber contemplative faces. After he's done speaking, a family group asks him to take their picture. And as Carl finds the right angle, he tells them to smile. I notice his slight horror, but they ask for different poses, goofy grins and raucous laughter frozen in digital time. After having scoffed at their posing, I realized that visiting Dachau had been on my bucket list too. Powerful poem called Memorial Site about Dachau from Sean Frederick Forbes from Archaeological Review. You began writing poems for that collection in 2012, and you hope to have it done by 2023. You taking your time, Sean? I'm taking my time. You know, it, 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 the, the production of a collection of poetry is, is quite um, 
arduous and challenging. At, at first, I didn't know what I was doing with um, the collection. I knew that I loved the tentative title of Archaeological Revival, um, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so I, I've been kind of researching and thinking about what Archaeological Revival sort of means in that historical sense, what it meant, what it meant to the Lewis Comfort Tiffany Company, um, what it means for the archaeological community, and then what it what it can do for me as a narrative poet. And so all of the poems that are in these collection uh, that's in this collection are just a series of narratives that keep um, calling to me. And um, I think what, what's starting to happen now is I'm beginning to curate um, the collection in a different way because I've spent so much time with it that I now feel like I have the proper narrative arc that will tell um, the, the story that I'm trying to um, convey to the reader. Sean, how can people read some of your poetry? How do they find your works? Sure. Um, Providencia, which is my first book of poetry, can be found um, online on Amazon. You can also um, go to the Yukon Bookstore and Downtown Stores, where it's available um, as well. Also, Sean's website is seanfrederickforbes.com, and the item that's uh, near the top of the page is a piece on the simple art of the thank you note. He's got a lot to say. Sean Frederick Forbes, the director of the creative writing program at the University of Connecticut, assistant professor in residence. Really enjoyed this, Sean. Thanks for joining me this morning. Wayne, thank you for having me, and have a great day. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.